Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the All-American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network. I am your host, Johnny McEwen. Today is Tuesday, May 11th, and this week in sport, Rory McIlroy is a champion again on the PGA Tour, but the tour could be no more. The NBA playoffs are around the corner, however, they'll be unlike any other. But first, I feel compelled to talk about baseball and talk my Dodgers. The defending world champions have been on a bit of a skid lately, and it all started as a little dip to what had been a fantastic start to the season. Now, it's been nearly a month since the Dodgers have won back-to-back games. Baseball is played in series. Teams usually face off for three, sometimes four, sometimes two games. And you hope to win or split most of those series, especially if you're the defending champions. The Dodgers have now lost five consecutive series. First time they've done that since the 2017 season. Let's not forget, Dodgers made it to the World Series in 2017, losing to the Houston Astros. The Dodgers were only a trash can's bang away from winning a World Series, but we're not getting into that today. The 2021 team is, on paper, better than the 2020 roster, but the circumstances of the season are just so different. There was an impetus to win every single game last year due to the shortened season. But now, here we are in a full 162-game season, and you're going to lose games, but it's about how you respond. Dustin May, the Dodgers' fifth starter, is out for the season and part of next season, having to have Tommy John surgery. This was a real morale blow to the entire squad. May had become a really important and reliable part of the rotation. There are still question marks as to who is actually going to fill that fifth spot. It helps that the Dodgers can lean on so much of their depth. Gonsolin and Price are, you know, almost guaranteed starters for any other team. So one of the two, I imagine, will fill the spot. But... May is a bright young star in the game, and his cleats will be big to fill. Trevor Bauer, last year's Cy Young Award winner from the Cincinnati Reds, has been a much-needed addition to the team, ultimately. At first, it was just like, wow, the Dodgers won the Bauer race. This makes us even better. And now it's like, well, thank God we got Bauer. We've got some reliability in our rotation. Walker Buehler's been solid, but the Dodgers' defense hasn't been able to pick up a lot of the games that he started. Clayton Kershaw had the shortest start ever in his career in Chicago last week. He was pulled after only one inning. But he pitched in Anaheim on the weekend and looked great on short rest. Starting pitching's really not been the problem. It's been about scoring runs and then about the bullpen finishing off the game. I always think it's a bit of a cop-out to say that a team is only bad because of their bullpen, or that's the entire reason why they're losing games. I think there are a lot of factors that come into losing games, and it's not just about bad pitching. It's about good hitting. It's about the team you're facing. It's about the run you've been on lately. It's a, there's a lot of different factors than just blaming solely the bullpen. But Saturday night did, unfortunately, really highlight our problem with our pen. Like I said... Clayton pitched great Saturday night, five innings, no runs, two hits, five strikeouts. Dodgers batted around in the fourth inning, scoring eight runs, and then came out in the fifth and scored five runs. It's a 12-0 game. Kershaw's pulled off to five, sixth inning. All right, here comes our bullpen. So Dave decides to lean on some of the weaker links, and we had a pretty dominant lead. This should be a non-pressure situation for them, and just hopefully go out and get some outs. Dennis Santana was the first to come in. Only got one out before he got pulled, giving up four runs. Mitch White comes into the game, gives up five hits. Suddenly, the Angels are back in it. 
Four runs in the sixth inning and then seven runs in the seventh. Victor Gonzalez and Blake Trinan came in and did their job holding what was now a tight game and the Dodgers ended up coming up with the victory on Saturday night. I'm all for watching a good baseball game. No fan bias included. And this was a good baseball game. But when you score 13 runs by the fifth inning, you really don't expect the game to get as close as it did. And it really got close. Credit goes to the Angels for sticking in it, not giving up halfway through the game. But you do have to blame the bullpen for bringing them back into this game. When the slump first started, I wasn't too concerned. An injured Bellinger, a couple tight losses. Eh, you know, it's early in the season. Belly's coming back soon. And if there's a time to slump, it's now. It's early. And then May went down. And now we've not been able to string two wins together in nearly a month. I'm not losing hope. My head keeps telling me it's still early. But this slip now in form is a touch concerning. You can't play every game with playoff energy in a 162-game season like you could in a 60-game season. And I think the Dodgers played with a fire in 2020 because they knew the clock was ticking. Okay, it's May 11th, and the season is long, and an October run isn't out of the question, but the Dodgers feel like they should be turning on the fire a little bit now. The boys of blue are back home at Chavez Ravine and start a two-game series with the Mariners tonight, and then they host the Miami Marlins for a three-game series this weekend. These are two middle-of-the-pack teams in their own standings, respectively, and the Dodgers are right in the middle of the pack as the NL West, so these five games are a really good opportunity for the Dodgers to try and gather some momentum. The NBA playoffs are just around the corner now, and this year, for the first time, there will be a play-in tournament. Before the start of the 2021 season, the NBA Board of Governors unanimously approved the proposal to implement a playoff play-in tournament. After all 82 regular season games are played, the top 10 teams from each division will play some form of playoff basketball. It used to be that it was just the top eight teams would advance to the playoffs, the number one seed would play the eighth seed, the second seed would play the seventh seed, and so on. However, there is no guarantee in this new format that the eighth seed will make it to the playoffs. Here's how the play-in works. If you're in the top six of each division, you're guaranteed a seven-game playoff series. The 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th place teams, however, will be involved in the play-in. The ninth and 10th place teams will play one game, win or go home, and the 7th and 8th place team will play for a guaranteed spot in a playoff series. The loser, however, of that 7th and 8th seed game would play the winner of the ninth and 10th place game. The winner then would go into the playoff spot. There have been mixed reviews about this play-in tournament. LeBron called for its creator to be fired from the NBA. Personally, I'm kind of into it. I love the nature of a win-or-go-home game. There's a drama that unfolds in a seven-game series. Teams can figure one another out, and there can be amazing, amazing series that go on and on, it seems, until that final unbelievable Game 7. But the sense of urgency and competition that comes in a win-or-go-home game, there's really nothing like it. People end up probably complaining if the 10th seed ends up winning the play-in tournament and then gets rocked by the first seed. And Hey, it could have been different if it was the 8th seeded team. 
we'll have to see how it all flows and whether or not this actually works and the fans like it. But I am excited by the prospect of win or go home games. It makes me think of the NCAA basketball tournament and how the intensity of that first and second half, there's nothing like it. This is their one shot. This is They've got to win this game, otherwise they're going home. It's true for all sports that more people are going to tune in during playoffs or championship games. More fans are going to be attracted to it, a wider scale of fans, and whoever ends up in the NBA Finals will get the majority share of basketball fans watching that game. It seems as though all of the leagues currently are trying to figure out the best way that they can show off their product, that they can show off their teams, and at the same time, make the most amount of money possible during these hot times of year. And I find it really interesting that now 20 teams will be a part of the playoff picture. There are 30 teams in the league. You've got two-thirds of a shot at making the playoffs as an NBA team. I think it gives teams the incentive to stay competitive and want to make some sort of playoff run. And it goes without saying, the Cinderella story of sport, you get over the hurdle of the play-in series, you're the 10th seed, you have just as good of a shot of getting to the NBA Finals as the number one seed. The play-in tournament begins on May 18th and goes through till the 21st, and then it's back to the seven-game format that we all know and love. I'm looking forward to covering the NBA playoffs here on the All-American Brit podcast, so keep an eye out for that. Rory McIlroy is once again a winner on the PGA Tour. He secured his 19th victory Sunday at Quail Hollow. Rory is undoubtedly a fan of the golf course. His very first PGA Tour win came in 2010 at Quail Hollow. He won again in 2015, the Wells Fargo Championship, and under the same name here in 2021, three times on the same course. Rory's been on a real tough stretch lately, missing a ton of cuts. I've talked about him multiple times on the podcast. It's no it's no secret that Rory is certainly one of my favorite golfers. So I was very, very happy to see him lift the trophy on Sunday. He was just happy to make the cut. I mean, he was happy to make it for the weekend. He put in a great round on Friday. He's come off of multiple missed cuts in the majority of his starts, had a really tough year, talked about how Bryson DeChambeau's length has affected the way that he's gone about planning his own game, gotten lost in a lot of technical thoughts with the swing and kind of simplified things back down, working with an old coach again. But the biggest thing for me was about his putting. His putting had seemed really shaky and untrustworthy with the flat stick. 52 out of 52 putts made inside of six feet. That's phenomenal. To know every time you stand up to a five-footer, four-footer, to have that confidence to know you're going to put it in the back of the cup is everything. And Rory was able to do that all week at Quail Hollow. He'll hope to keep on this form as he heads to Kiowa, where he has already won a PGA Championship. It's being held there again this year. I teased, however, at the beginning of the podcast that the tour could be no more. That's probably a bit of a stretch. It's a bit of a dramatic reading on that. But there are talks of having a Super League in golf. Yeah, I'm back to talking about Super Leagues. You'd think after the colossal failure of the European Super League, maybe they would have done a quick rebranding of it. But here we are, the Super League of Golf. It's a Saudi Arabian-backed project. 11 of the leading players in the world, including Dustin Johnson and Justin Rose, have reportedly been offered contracts worth 30 to $50 million up front if they sign on to the Saudi-backed Super League. On Tuesday, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Moynihan warned that 
if any of the players defected and became part of the Super League, that they would receive instant suspensions, lifetime bans, similar to the actions that UEFA and FIFA took. So panic strikes in all golf fans and talk of this Super League continues. Rory McIlroy made a comment saying, quote, go back to what happened last week in Europe with the European Super League in football. People can see it for what it is. It's a money grab, which is fine if you're playing golf to make as much money as possible. Totally fine. Then go and do that if that's what makes you happy. I'm playing this game to cement my place in history and my legacy and to win major championships and win the biggest tournaments in the world. Maybe the source of money's changed or the people that are in charge have changed, but nothing else has happened. No sponsorship deals, no media deals, no players have signed up, no manufacturers have signed up. End quote. And this is crucial to the potential of a Super League in golf being possible. Golfers earn the majority of their money through endorsements. That's the reason why sometimes you see some of the guys out on tour with their shirts covered in logos like a NASCAR driver. Sure, if you win a tournament, you get a large purse. And if you're constantly in the top 10, top 20, top 30 golfers, you can make a very good living working as a golfer on the PGA Tour. Of course, the biggest payday is the FedEx Cup. All year long, players try and gather points towards the cup standings and ultimately hope to get that big payday, $15 million to the winner. But we're talking about the best golfers in the world who go out and play the most consistent golf in the world. And being a winner on the PGA Tour is an incredible feat. Any tournament, it's an incredible, incredible feat. People try and compare Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus and the biggest argument that you can make about Tiger and why he's better than Jack is because of the field that he was competing against. Players have only gotten better. And some of my favorite winners have been guys that you would have never expected to win. They come out and just electrify the day and electrify the round and end up earning their keep and earning their spot on the PGA Tour. And Rory makes an interesting point in his comment. If you want to go and make the most amount of money possible, go ahead. Sign up for this league. But I'm trying to cement my name in history. I'm trying to cement my legacy. Maybe one of the most interesting things to me about golf is the stretches that players don't play well. Jordan Spieth went nearly three years without a victory. Sometimes a guy will win a major tournament and never win another tournament ever again. This is part of the story of golf. And just in the same way I reacted to the European Super League, I react to this one. It's an obvious attempt at a money grab, and it devoids the sport of competition. And it's not going to work. Fans care about competition, and they always will. But even bigger than that, fans in golf care about legacy. Fans in golf care about tradition. A tradition unlike any other, the Masters. <laughs> Let's just say... Maybe one of these, one or two of the top guys decides to defect and join the Super League to guarantee themselves that 30 million every year. What happens to their legacy? What happens to their place in history? What if a two, three, four time major champion leaves the PGA Tour for the Super League? The PGA Tours threatened to suspend them for life. Does that mean they also strip their titles from them? And I hate that I have to say this, but. It feels like the same way the European Super League story feels. It's open and ended. This is not over. 2014, Rory McIlroy was first approached about joining a Super League. Now, seven years later, here we are talking about a rebranded version of the same thing. Golf respects its history. There's a reason why we still talk about the greats of the game, why we still talk about Ben Hogan, why we still talk about Bobby Jones. This would essentially wipe all of that out 
And I think it's up to us as fans to stand up for the game that we want. Fans had the power in their hands in the European Super League debate. And we saw how powerful their voices could be. The same stands here for golf. We don't have to just stand and watch by as they change the way that the game is played. We have a say in it. We are the consumers of it. The game is nothing without its amateurs watching and admiring these players. And we should stand up for what we want in golf. And if you want all of the best names and biggest names to just play each other every week and there'll always be a big name winner, then I guess this is the league for you. But it's not the league for me. I commend the actions of the PGA Tour and the comments of Rory standing up and speaking about the cherished history of this game and the importance of competition. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen today. Here's to hoping that next week I won't be talking about the structure of the league or the creation of a new Super League. No promises. For the All-American Brit Podcast on the Believe Podcasting Network, I am your host, Johnny McEwen. You can follow me at AABritPod on Instagram and Twitter. And until next time, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.